Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Business of Customer Love podcast, brought to you by Mention Me. I'm your host, Simeon Atkins, and thanks for joining us today. Growing your brand through customer love might seem like an idea that belongs in the company cafe rather than the boardroom. But identifying, growing, and activating a base of loyal fans is serious business, and the results of harnessing customer advocacy can be truly transformational for both your company and your customers. We gather experts from across the space to shine a light on how you can unleash a virtuous cycle of sustainable organic growth where your best customers keep coming back and bringing their friends too. So let's get into today's episode. So I'm excited to be joined today by Ron Holt, founder of Pink Zebra Moving. Ron, welcome to the show. Simeon, I'm excited and honored to be here. I can't wait to tell my story. Fabulous. So you're here today to share the, the truly amazing story behind Pink Zebra and how you're disrupting an entire industry by focusing on customer love. Before we dive in, though, do you want to give a quick introduction to our listeners? Yeah. So I'm a home service franchise nerd. Uh, love all things about home services, mainly because no one else does. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of doing the opposite of what is normal. So call me a nerd. That's okay with me. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and we'll certainly go into more detail about that when you uh, you share the story of Pink Zebra. Um, now, as tradition on the show, to get things kicked off, I'd love to hear an example recently where, as a consumer, you've experienced customer love firsthand and really what impact that had on you as a consumer. Yeah, it's a good, good question. Um, what's the best one I can think of? There's so many because I'm when you're in CX, you look for those things, right? Um, but probably the one that kind of sticks out. I have two young children, and here in the states, there's a lot of Tex-Mex eating mainly because there's two things: cheese and uh, usually some live music, so you don't have to hear kids screaming or parents fighting with kids. And so we go to a lot of Tex-Mex restaurants here locally, and one particular restaurant sticks out because there's typically a long wait. We usually go on like a weekend night, so it's busy. And we've been going for about a year and it was whatever, just a great experience for us. Uh, but just, you know, nothing that's really stood out either until most recently. Uh, most recently we walked in as usual, long line, lots of people waiting to sit down and eat. And we had become real uh, friendly, I guess, and known there because of our frequent visits and so uh, the host pulled us to the side, and there was at least 20 people waiting, uh, walked us to a table that was sort of like a VIP table, I guess. And not only that, just brought our food and drinks and everything out without us even asking anything. So there might be a little bit too much Tex-Mex in our life, but at the same time, it made us feel like the most important people in the world. And we've been back and actually told that story to a lot of people in the community since then as well. I'd love to know what a VIP table looks like at a Tex-Mex. I can't really picture it, but um, I'm sure it was very glamorous. Oh, it was extremely glamorous. It had silverware and everything. Uh, <laughs> lots of dried up cheese and broken chips. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but seriously, like from what you were saying there, it sounds like it's um, there'll be a lot of competition in the area, I guess, for those kind of restaurants. And so serving those kind of experiences just really elevates them above everyone else certainly in your mind if you're telling more people about it as well that's going to influence them as well yeah yeah if you notice i never talked about the food quality <laughs> i talked about the experience i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but um we'll uh we'll, we'll assume it was great again lots of cheese so it's always good and you can never go wrong with that brilliant okay so 
We alluded to at the top of the show that you have built a company with customer love very much at the core, and with it, you're disrupting an entire industry. Can you start by sharing the story that led you to founding Pink Zebra? Yeah, so gosh, I'll try to do this quickly. My story goes back almost 20 years, actually more than 20 years now. So I started initially a cleaning business, a residential cleaning business called Two Maids and a Mop. Um, build it from the ground up. One store, one employee, no no customers, uh, just a big dream. And the dream was to build that one small cleaning business with no revenue into a national empire uh, with locations from coast to coast here in the States. And uh, for a long time, that seemed like an impossible dream. For two years, I lost money every day. Three years later, I finally received my first paycheck. But eventually, I was able to figure it out and build a strong business model that was scalable. And we started growing and opened another location, another one, all the way until we finally opened 93 locations across the country. And I was living what our version here is of the American dream, you know, just build something from the ground up and, you know, go boat and fish and rest and do all the things you're supposed to do when you make it big. But I had this sort of gnawing feeling inside of me that something was missing. I um, I guess maybe as a little bit more of a startup guy, but there were some things kind of chewing away inside and just making me ask questions. Do, is this, is this really what I thought this was going to be? Um, things should be better than this. Right. And about that time, my mother-in-law here locally, um, hired a moving company and she's just downsizing and just needed a moving company. It was not supposed to be that big of a deal and certainly not memorable. It turned out to be a very memorable experience because it was so bad. Um, everything that could go wrong went wrong. You you name it from sh- showing up late to unprofessionalism, to broken items, damaged, you know, property, uh, just rude, rude behavior inside. And then of course, on top of all of that, the final price was just over three times what her original estimate was. And so that, that's a big difference. It went from basically $1,000 to almost $4,000. And so anyway, um, that prompted me to ask some questions. Uh, she, my mother-in-law called me, and since I'd built this strong home service business, she, she said, what, what, what should I do? And should I write a bad review? She said, what should I do to really go after them? And I said, well, maybe she should buy it, write a bad review, but on top of that, maybe we should start a business. Uh, maybe we should, you know, try to attack this industry in a way that's never been attacked before because it seems like there's a lot of demand for it, but not a lot of folks are doing a whole lot of things to to actually capture that demand. This this industry looks like it's kind of been the same way for 50 years or more now, all, all the way actually ba- dating back to horse and buggy day. So it could be even 100 years ago. And so she thought I was crazy. Um, I guess entrepreneurs are kind of crazy. Um, but I pulled out um, this thing called Google. And I Googled um, different locations across the U.S. and just literally read negative review after negative review. And they all, from city to city, matched my mother-in-law's experience. And I said, oh, my gosh, that is this is it. And so I quickly sold this business that I had built from something to nothing. Um, and when I sold it, we had uh, $50-plus million in revenue. And I sold that to start a moving company, again, with no customers or revenue. <laughs> So that's how Pink Zebra Moving was born. A little bit of mother-in-law experience and a whole lot of just sort of um, questions, you know, to, to answer in terms of what my professional life was at the time. 
I mean, talk about earning brownie points with the mother-in-law. I mean, that's that's taking it to another level, really. A little bit, um, yeah. That's 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 an incredible story. It really is. Um, can I just ask as well, what uh, what in- inspired Pink Zebra as a concept? Yeah. So number one, my original business, Two Maids and a Mob. Like I said, I sold it, but we had become sort of known in the franchise space as the guys that wear pink a lot. Um, pink, pink was not necessarily the most common color for men to wear. Um, and we were wearing it proudly and boldly at every single event we could possibly attend. And so I had become known as this pink guy. And so we wanted to own the color pink for no, that reason. Also, when it came to the moving world, I really wanted to be different. Like I said, I love being the opposite of normal. And so when you think moving, you kind of think high testosterone, muscle, you know, all these like real manly things and pink is usually not coinciding with that and so we we wanted to kind of be different and that felt like an easy way to go and then again we wanted to stand out and so um i'll try to make this quick my my wife and i were celebrating um uh, just an occasion or an event in our life and so we we went down to the florida keys and there's a bridge and the florida keys called seven mile bridge believe it or not it's seven miles long um, the Gulf of Mexico and the Atlantic Ocean meet right there underneath that bridge. And we were on a boat just kind of floating and hanging out and, you know, in paradise. And, of course, there's still a bridge on top of us with cars going back and forth. But you don't notice it because, again, you're in paradise. But after a couple hours, for some reason, my attention was drawn north to the bridge. And it was because of this moving truck that was a black and white zebra patterned moving truck, top to bottom end to end. And I said to my wife, there you go. And that's how Pink and Zebra sort of was married um, and merged together. And we've just fell in love with it since then. And we've totally owned the color Pink. And we know a lot about Zebras as well now. So. <laughs> well, interestingly, it mentioned me, the color, our color is is Pink as well. Um, more on the Flamingo side in terms of our sort of uh, one of our mascots as well. So our, our co-founders both love Pink as well. Um I'd love to hear some some of the quirky things that you're doing for customers. Um, I was reading an article the other day, um, and then we spoke about this off air as well about some of the incredible things that you're doing um, for some for some of your customers. Would you mind sharing some examples of that? Yeah, so I can start with quirky and then come back to what I call normal, which is actually going to still be fairly abnormal in this industry. Hmm. The moving world, when it comes to customer experience, is almost non-existent. You know, moving companies generally um, book a job, show up with some guys in a truck, do the work, leave. It's all measured on where these really good, where these guys really good at manual labor today. And that is the epitome of a transaction, in my opinion. And so we wanted to make the experience an actual experience. And so we think there are multiple phases to a move. These are very simple phases, just three of them, before, during, and after. But we've we've designated each one of those three as opportunities for us to do something, to not have a transaction, but actually create a relationship with our customers. And so from the time someone calls us to the time we're finished, everything we're doing Obviously, a lot of it is is manual labor, but everything we're doing besides the manual labor is trying to strengthen and build a relationship with our customers, even if it's just a small thing like moving a couch. So um, let's start with some of the quirky, fun things. Uh, We're big American football guys over here. And so if you've been to an American football game or any sporting event, you know that there's typically some type of pregame ceremony or ritual. You don't just 
sit in your seats and watch the game. Like it doesn't happen that quickly. And so we felt like there needed to be some pre-gaming. And so what we do before we, we, we pull up, of course, the guys get out of the truck. There's a whole announcement of who these guys are like, Hey, here comes the pink zebra guys. And so they get in to do a quick walkthrough. That's a very practical part of what we do. Um, but the fun part is we do a, a sort of a pregame like exercise routine. And so it lasts literally less than five minutes, sometimes even two or three minutes, but it's everything from jumping jacks to um, push-ups to you name it. Sometimes they run in place just to be silly. But what we're trying to do is, again, we used humor as the emotion to bring someone closer to us. And so we're just trying to make someone have a little fun with us and let them know what they're in store for the rest of the day because that is the start of a lot of other quirky things that occur. Um, maybe not as quirky, but still something that we think is really important. We play music throughout the entire home. We have our own what we call happy playlist. The happy playlist is PG rated, um, but it's full of songs that make people sing along. It's all the songs you've all heard and you know every word to it and they make you feel good because you probably have some kind of positive memory. And so if you can think about restaurants you've been to, some maybe have some ambiance like music in the background, others maybe don't. It's a different, it's a different type of feel. And so moving companies in general don't really care about ambiance. But we do. And so we play this happy playlist throughout every room and every home we, we move. It it creates engagement with our customers because in the old days, um, in other words, all the other moving companies, put the hoodies on, earbuds on, get to work. Eight hours later, it's over. You've maybe said good morning and that's it, right? And so we want to create reasons for there to be communication because, again, all we're trying to do is strengthen and build a relationship with our customers uh, I'll keep going if you want me to, because I got a lot of them. I don't want to bore you with these, though. So you tell me when I need to stop. <laughs> oh, I think we've definitely got time for a couple more. Okay, good. So one of the things that we're probably most known for, and it's kind of become our trademark, is the, the night before a move, the day before a move, I should say, we contact our customers and we ask a lot of normal, practical questions like, you know, anything change with the move? Oh, is there anything extra you want us to do? We're going to show up at this time. These are the guys that are going to be there. This They got this amount of experience, one truck, two trucks, whatever is going to be there, like real practical stuff. But toward the end of that practical conversation, we then say, hey, you know, we, we're going to put a show on for you. We, we think moving is theater. We think we can make moving fun. And so how we, how we like to get started with that show is we, we like to feed you guys. You guys are going to be busy tonight, maybe even a little bit of stress going on because tomorrow's a big day. Um, so we're going to, we're going to send you some food tonight. You pick what it is. Maybe it's pizza, maybe it's Tex-Mex, you know, but either way, we're going to send some food your way and it's on us. And we really, we look forward to doing it. Um, customers love that. Most people nowadays know about it. And so they actually ask about it. At one point it was a bit of a surprise and it always made people get emotional. We've seen people cry uh, when we offered the food and simple thing, you know, it's just food. Anybody can or, you know, deliver food to someone, but we do it every single time we serve a customer and it starts again, the relationship off in a strong way. Um, another thing that we've become real known for, this is probably one of our more fun things that we do. We call it a surprise box. Again, if you remember, there's three phases before, during, and after the after phase of a move usually is just, just disregarded. Like it, there's no, no such thing typically as the after part of a move. And so we thought there was an opportunity there to still, strengthen and build a relationship with our customers. So we leave behind a surprise box. Inside the box is all sorts of goodies, pretty generic ones in some cases, uh, just candy and chocolates and trinkets and things of that nature. 
Um, it's packaged well so that it looks like a real fun surprise. There's a pink bow, of course, around it so it separates itself from the other boxes. But the most important pieces to that surprise box is, is sort of two things. One, there's a personalized letter from the manager or the owner of the business, and um, that just says, hey, uses someone's first name. We loved helping you today. Hopefully you enjoyed it, whatever. You know, just either way, it's just a personal letter to them. And then there's always a personalized item inside that box as well. And so if they uh, have a sports allegiance to, you know, whatever team locally or maybe they're living on the other side of the world and they have another affinity for whatever team, we try to find out something unique about every one of our customers and then use that to our advantage. And so whether it's, uh, again, a, a, a sports allegiance or maybe they have a certain hobby uh, we ask questions during our conversations to learn these answers. We, some cases, even cyberstalk our customers. We we want to know as much about our customers because we want to create this wow experience that makes them think, holy cow. And so we put that gift, whatever it is, inside the, the box and we leave it behind. Sometimes they find it five minutes after we depart. Sometimes it's five days after we leave. But either way, they find it after the service has been completed. And there's no call to action there. We don't ask for, for a review we don't say, hey, give us a big tip. We just leave it there and don't measure it even. We just want people to sort of feel it and live it. And so those are some of the things I could keep going because we, we have so much fun with some of the things that we do here. But those are some of the highlights of our CX offering. That's truly taking customer love to another level. That's fantastic. Um, I guess sort of bring it back to a business perspective um, because – Everything you said there is is fantastic, and obviously as consumer, I mean, it would just blow your mind getting that kind of experience. Um, but from a business, what advantage is this giving you by really focusing on customer love and really looking to give your customers the best possible experience? What benefits is that having for you as a business? So when it, when it comes to moving, most people believe that there's no such thing as recurring revenue. Um, most people move every five, six, seven years, right? There's some serial movers. I have learned that. But in, in general, it's every five, six, seven years. So the consensus across the industry has been it's a one-time ticket. It's a large ticket, but a one-time ticket that you only get every five or six, seven years. That's not true. and I don't, I don't believe it is, at least. Number one, customers talk. They live next to people who also move. They have family members that move. And so there's a lot of referral opportunities when it comes to just your customers that you're serving. We don't necessarily do the things we do so that people will talk, but it it manifests itself either way. But where the recurring revenue comes into play is where people find moving companies. Obviously, some people use the Internet. You know, some people use social um, their social content to, to find and solicit for opportunity you know, for companies that may be able to offer this type of service. But it's even though it's 2023, there's still a lot of people going the old fashioned way and talking to people they trust and learning who they would recommend. And that's how they hire us in our world. That's called realtors, real estate agents. And so realtors, there are literally a thousand or more real estate agents in every one of the communities that we serve. We work our tail off to make sure that these folks really know what we have to offer. And every time we do the things we do for our customer, it usually gets back to the realtor who's the one who connected us in the first place. And then it's just a circle that feeds itself over and over again because that realtor tells more and more people, you won't believe what Pink Zebra Moving did for this customer. You won't believe what they did for that customer. 
they make moving fine. You know, these are things that people aren't expecting to hear from a moving company. And so when a realtor says that, someone already trusts that realtor, that's the easiest way for us to grow our business. And so we market like any other business. We use Google, we use social, and all the things that most businesses use to grow. But it's still our biggest revenue generator is just good old-fashioned word of mouth from referral sources like real estate agents. And so we work hard to build those relationships just like this we do with our customers. And just to that point, is this something that you're actively measuring in terms of referrals, for example, and the impact that that's having on you marketing? So are you looking, for example, to shrink the amount that you're relying on paid channels and looking more at sort of like word of mouth? I'd be interested to dive into that in a little bit of detail too. Yeah. So some of what we do is very normal. You know, we, we have all the, uh, you know, re- we measure reviews, we read those, we um, we actually have some old school paper reviews that people we leave behind and we ask that they're totally anonymous, but we ask for our customers to provide us with some type of review of what occurred. But the best thing that we do is we ask our employees across all the locations we're in right now to bring back stories. And so those stories are customer experience focus. So not what you would think. I really picked up this expensive piano today and it was awesome. You should have seen how strong I was today. Not those kind of stories. We asked for wow stories. What do you, what did you do today to make a customer go, Holy cow, I can't believe pink zebra moving did that today. And so when they bring those positive wow stories back to us, we post those in every office that we have across our, again, social channels. We try to engage all of our employees with one another to create a community where there's just CX, you know, flowing at all times. And, it, you know, this is not an industry that you think about when you think customer experience. And so the same goes for our employees. When they think moving companies, they think they're going to show up, put on a T-shirt, work their tail off, um, and, and that's how their job performance is going to be measured. We flip that and say, we, we want you to work hard because people pay us to move. We don't want to lose sight of that. But at the same time, that's only half of your job. The other half is to create a, an amazing experience for our customers. And if you don't bring back stories, we got a problem. And so everybody knows they got to bring back those stories. And those stories are sometimes just very normal um, and oftentimes very crazy. You know, like some just unbelievable things that people have done. We ha- All the things that I just told you are very structured and formatted and a little bit of a checkbox mentality comes with some of those from time to time, but the stories aren't, the stories are authentic. They're real, they're genuine and they occur naturally. And so when we get to hear those, it, it fosters more and that's how we measure it. It's, it's probably more subjective than what a lot of other people or organizations do. But at the same time, when you know that you got to bring back a story, um, there's a, there's some, there's some commitment to making sure that occurs. And isn't it true to say that you dedicate quite a large number of hours to customer experience training for your employees as well across the across the company? Yeah. So in the franchise world, our franchises are are owned by other people than myself. Our job as the franchisor is to to train, support, um, and help you know our franchisees grow. And so they use our business model as their baseline for for that growth to occur. So it's our job to make sure that every franchisee across the country executes this business model in the right way so that 
everything I'm telling you right now occurs in every market. And so what we do is we really work hard when we're trying to find a franchise candidate to join our system to make sure that they have all the traits that we're looking for. They've got to be, of course, entrepreneurial, um, but they've got to love CX. They've got to, the things that make you and I excited have to make them excited as well. If they're coming here just to make a bunch of money and to get rich quick, I mean, everybody wants to own a business to make money. What's the point if you don't? But that can't be the only reason. If, they're, if they've just fallen in love with our financials and they think CX is sort of this just like funny thing we do to be different, then it doesn't work. And so we work really hard to make sure that we bring the right people in. And then once they're in, we inundate them with as much CX curriculum as we possibly can. Before they're ever open, they have to be certified, customer experience certified. That's a combination of reading books. Um, I'm a nerd, like I told you, so I love reading books. Um, there's a lot of podcasts, in fact, they have to watch. Um, but between books and podcasts and then just lectures and, and course, courses with myself and others here, um, at some point, once they get through all that education, then we, we put them on the front lines and we say, okay, go to work and let's see what you got. And then we, we talk about those things and we learn from those things. Every, everyone here um, understands that CX is what makes us different. One of the things that scares most people about entering this system and becoming a franchise owner at Pink Zebra Moving is they think that, oh my gosh, do, am I going to have to be the next Walt Disney? Because I, I don't know if I'm as creative as Walt Disney. That's not the case. Now, obviously, if you have some creative spirits behind you, that's going to be even better. But we can we have all sorts of different types of people who join us as a franchise or accountants to salespeople to teachers, you know, to, to people who've owned other businesses in the past. But in all cases, they, one, have never owned a business usually, uh, certainly never owned a moving company, and two, probably didn't really understand customer experience until we taught them what it meant. And so we, we need to make sure people love CX. We need to make sure people understand CX. And then we need to make sure people actually the plan to make it happen. And we definitely don't judge. You know, everybody's got different ideas. All the ideas that I have, I think, are fantastic. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm the only person with the right ideas. And so our franchisees sometimes come up with things that are a little different than what we probably would do to create those stories across our network. Um, but at the end of the day, all that really matters is are we strengthening and building relationships with our customers? And if that's, the, if that's happening, then we're winning. Fabulous. Ron, we've covered some incredible ground today. Just in closing, for anyone who's listening that's either looking to found their own company or building out their own customer experience function, what would be the number one piece of advice that you'd like to give them that you wish you'd known potentially before starting Pink Zebra? Okay, so that, that how long do we have? Two minutes? Um, so... Number one, this is going to sound crazy because who doesn't do this? But you got to dream big. You you have to dream big. And what I mean what I mean by that is not the things that you do at night, um, but sit down, think about what you want your business to look like, where you want it to fit in its marketplace or industry, and dream as big as you can possibly dream. Have fun with that. You know, so so many people get caught up in business plans and forecasting and cash flow and all these like businessy things. You know, I do too. Um, but just have some fun with it first. Think big, dream big. Second, you've you've got to you've got to have a plan. Once you've dreamed this big, huge vision, then you've got to actually put a plan together based on timelines, and you've got to break that timeline into small chunks. You know, in our case, step one at Pink Zebra Moving was just to figure out how to operate a profitable 
moving business locally in our hometown here in Birmingham, Alabama. Once we were able to prove that we could make some money, then we had to go out and see if people would actually be interested in growing with us. When franchising, you sell franchise opportunities. And so that was step two. Step three is making sure that those folks actually execute the business model and then grow and then actually help us together you know, evolve the business model into something even better because one location is great in Birmingham, Alabama, but 10 locations across the country means more ideas, 10 times the ideas. And then after that is to make sure that everything is just sort of humming along. And so I, for my entire adult life, have built these big dreams in my head but also process them in a way that there's been small chunks from yearly goals to quarterly goals to all the way down to weekly goals. And then I celebrate them. When I, when I achieve those goals, I celebrate, I recognize them. I make myself feel excited, even if it's a small victory. And that way it keeps you going because when it comes to business, there's uh, big dreams are fun, but sometimes they're so overwhelming and they're just intimidating and so if you can break those small victories down to uh, our small goals into to victories and then celebrate them, you're telling your heart and your brain that things are going in the right direction and it keeps you going. You want to keep adding fuel to your body as you're building a business, not draining the fuel from your body from all the pressure and stress and headaches that come from growing a business. So dream big, plan, and celebrate the victories. Ron, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. You bet. Thanks, Simeon. It was great to be here. You've been listening to the Business of Customer Love podcast hosted by Mention Me. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to join us next time where we'll be speaking to some more amazing guests about how you can harness the power of customer love. See you again soon.